This week, we're going to make you an offer you can't refuse, sit back in the back of a car with Rod Steiger and talk about how we could have been contenders, and look at the results of Hollywood glamour blush brushing, brushing up against these aisles. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Hello, I am Tosin, and this is Sunshine Radio, broadcasting to St. Mary's and oh, St. Mary's Hospital in the Isle of Wight. With me in the studio are Joe. Good evening. Sharon. Hello. And Sean. Hi, yeah. Yes, this is a movie nostalgia show, and each week we usually start off by picking a movie that we think is a bona fide classic, and we talk about it, and hopefully you all agree with us about this film. Um, so this week it is Sean's turn and Sean what film have you picked for us this week okay well this week we're looking at the Godfather trilogy um, the Godfather films um, the first two absolutely excellent the third one okay but um, a little bit of a letdown it, it disappointed people it gets a bad rap doesn't it the third one the third one always gets a bad rap yeah I think I think some of the acting and had a little bit to be desired yeah, okay, yeah, because these these are always spoken about as absolute classics. Like, there's just kind of like one of those things you don't argue about. People just say The Godfather, one of the best films of all time. So I eventually got to see this the a couple of years back, and I think out of everything that people talk about in the film, what we're going to play next is one of the biggest things that actually stuck with me. Yes, and it's funny because I remember watch, walking away from the film and having that tune stuck in my head for probably about a week afterwards. And each time I hear that tune, I just sort of think, "Oh wow, that's that's like you know, people in fedoras and long trench coats mm-hmm. carrying like you know Tommy guns underneath it, about to shoot somebody up at like a at a toll station." Even though apparently that's actually the love theme from the Godfather See, movie. See, when I heard that, I was picturing an Argentine tango. <laughs> <laughs> was, was yeah. Was, was that the original score, or was that um, a rendition of it? That, I think that's the original score. That's the original score. It's the original right? score, but I'll, I'll, say, I'll say something about that. But Sean, first of all, uh, why, why The Godfather? Why do you love so much about The Godfather? Okay, well, the, the Godfather, I mean, you've got some terrific acting in it for a start, I think. Some, some great actors there. And the whole story, the whole, whole premise of um, this young lad comes back from the war, doesn't want to get involved in the business whatsoever, and he's just... But he ends up getting sucked in um yeah so it's it's said it's it's all about a mafia family it's like, it, yeah yeah it's all about a mafia family family being the most important thing mm. and um it's just the godfather he's he, he has a bit of a row with some of the 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 other families the five families and um they are, he obviously gets shot and he ends up in the hospital and this it uh, michael the son who doesn't want to get involved sort of turns up at the hospital it's a, it's a great scene that and everybody's gone. All the bodyguards, all the police have all gone. Um, so he moves his dad to another ward, and and then he pretends that he's one of these guys outside. They turn up, the police turn up, give him a little bit of a beating, and then uh, the, the Godfather's guys turn up, save, sort of save the day, and um, then they have to they go back. And I mean, James Khan. Sorry to be a bit. I'm just trying to think of the whole. Whole film because I just love it's it so much. Story. It's, it's just a huge story. It's a um, job of breaking it there's, down. There's so much there, you know. There's so much in this movie, but that okay. that seed sort of sticks in my mind. Okay, so. do you want to tell us a little bit about the you were, you mentioned the performances and you just oh. mentioned so mention <clears throat> some of the performances and some of the people who show up in this film. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, obviously Marlon Brando, I think, is just this this for me is his greatest role. I mean, I know we're talking about on the waterfront lately, but this to me is his greatest role and how he sort of ages and absolutely absolutely fantastic piece from him is is towards the end it's, it's towards the end and michael's taken over and he's, he's telling michael how what's going to happen what will happen 
and he goes pop you've already told me that and he sort of just says oh oh yeah i forgot and it's almost like he's he's starting to forget and i i don't know i've sort of seen people like that and i just thought wow you know and um as i say michael corleone suddenly looks this young fresh-faced talent and he turns and and you can actually see there's a transformation in him all these you know these characters. Yeah, that, that's Al Pacino. Al Pacino, yeah. You're actually beginning to sell. <laughs> and, but I mean, the whole thing's really good. The the other characters around. You've got Clemenza and and Tessio, who who like grew up. When we come to the second one, and the second one is sort of flashbacks to. Oh yeah, to uh, yeah. to when Don Corleone Don played Corleone by Marlon, played by Marlon around. Brando in the yeah. first film, and then played by Robert De Niro in yeah. the second. And his two mates, you know, and they're um, so, so they're really good actors. I think I read somewhere that the. The guy who played Clemenza was the highest paid actor, actually, he was paid more. And when it come to the second one, um, he's not in it because he wanted too much money. <laughs> and they, they, so they changed another character called Frankie Pantangeli, Frankie Five Angels, um, to sort of compensate for the, the, his part in number two. Um, so, and who else you got? You got Robert DeVal. Oh, yeah. Robert DeVal's in it, another he's, good he's actor. Like the, he's the family lawyer, the consigliere. Yeah, he's the consigliere, consigliere yeah. yeah. And and the bit when Michael takes over and he says to him, he says, Tom, he says, You're I don't want you as my consigliere, yeah. yeah. So, And it's just like, he's like, but Mike, you know, I've been, he goes, I need a wartime consigliere. It's just, I don't know, it's just everything. And and then you've got the really, really nice scenes of uh, the family gatherings, the food, the eating. At the beginning, you've got his... his daughter's wedding yeah um and then when he goes off to sicily he's you know it's all really really nice so you've got that contrast there um and everything just really works in it for me i mean and and then you come to the second one yeah and the second one obviously is michael thinking and he, he's thinking about all the things that obviously his father had told him had related of how he came to america how he became what he became yeah um and the flashbacks are really really good and, and de niro is is in the second one, this excellent actor. Yeah, I think, you know. uh, I think uh, the part of Don Corleone is probably like the greediest part in cinema history. Yeah. It's like who played Don Corleone? Oh, Marlon Brando and Robert De Niro. Mm. I think uh, there's probably no other role that has like that kind of like role of talent. Yeah, <laughs> just sort of like packed into one role. You say Val Kilmer and George Clooney again, Tony. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now you mentioned it, Joe. <laughs> okay, so Joe, you were mentioning you were you were talking about um, the Godfather earlier, and you were saying something a bit controversial about it, which is oh, I've got a very dirty little secret, which I haven't I, actually until this week I hadn't actually admitted to anyone, but I confided in Sean. I don't particularly like them. <laughs> Sorry, don't tell anyone. Well, no, but this is now this is actually kind of weird because going from what we we're saying last week and w all the reasons why you said you liked um, only angels have wings, mm. I would have thought that you liked The Godfather because I remember I watched The Godfather very very late on for a film buff, like like embarrassingly late on for a film buff. Mm. And when I watched it, I mean the first after I watched it, I just sat down there and thought, okay, that's. That's three hours of overhype. That film was overhyped. Hmm. And uh, I just, and as I said, I walked away and the thing I remember the most was the music and I thought the music was great. Yeah, brilliant. And, yeah, it, and the cast is fantastic and the performances are brilliant. There's, there's a lot in the film that's absolutely packed with great things. And yet I walk away thinking I could probably have washed my hair and <laughs> mean, mean. Cut, cut the grass and well because uh, uh, this is uh, dusted the shelves in the kitchen here's my here's my um theory about the, uh, because with the godfather i always when i watched it i felt like it was almost as if someone had put a camera down and we just watched this family for a period of time and then at some point decided okay that's enough i switched off the camera and it's so it's a film that's not particularly concerned with like a driving plot you don't. I mean, there's this. You join the characters for a while, then you leave them, let them carry yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I see that. I, yeah. see I, the point. I, I think it's a film you've really got to sort of immerse yourself in, rather than just and really, really, uh, you know, sort of concentrate. It's one of those films where you need to be sat down watching yeah. with 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 no other distractions. I think. And, and, and I then, feel I feel like that's what Francis Ford Coppola was trying to do with the film. He's yeah. trying to like immerse you in this family and immerse you in this culture and immerse you in this whole mafia think, New York Italian thing. Um, mm. And he's not particularly concerned with getting anywhere quickly. What, what, there's a bit that's quite interesting with um, a guy, they call him Johnny Fontaine, but I'm fairly certain he's based on, on Frank Sinatra. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, at the beginning, that's <laughs> yeah, at the beginning. Totally. He goes, oh, Godfather, I need the part in this film. I need, you know, and 
So that's that's like totally based on Frank Sinatra, I think. And then he says, oh, when we move out to Vegas, Johnny, I want you to get you and some of your mates to perform. Yeah. So I don't think there's any reason why this film should suffer from what I'm going to say uh, more than any other film. But I think the fact that when I when I see Marlon Brando's performance, I, I'm a big Brando fan, uh, but I just think of there was an advert for Maltesers a few years back. <laughs> and someone had Malteser in each cheek and they did a Marlon Brando impression. And I think, yep. And, and also, I love The Simpsons, but when Krusty the Clown does his little bicycle trick <laughs> and hits those different glasses on the top and they go, do, 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 I just think, yeah, okay. It's been spoofed and mocked so much that I have a hard time buying into it. And it's a real shame because I do think I'm probably uh, not seeing something. I love, you know, I love Apocalypse Now. I think, I think it's one of my, my favourite films of all time but The Godfather just doesn't grab me quite as much. The, uh, but having said that, going with what Sean said, I did watch The Godfather. It was on TV recently, I think about two weeks ago, and I did watch it again, and I had more of an appreciation the second time round. Mm, maybe I need to revisit yeah. it. So it's, I had more of an appreciation. I mean, some of the things that I thought the first time still stood, like the the because it's kind of like, if someone asks you what's The Godfather about, it's hard to encompass it because... In a way, it's, it isn't really about anything. You don't do it justice by just saying it's about family. Yeah, exactly. But but in a way, that's what it's about. Mm. And so you can't really say it's about this, 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 and this. There's a whole bunch of stuff that happens, but it isn't really about those things. It's about the family and how they deal with these things that kind of happen. I think the the most overarching thing is about Michael's Michael's character in the first one, anyway, and how he goes from not wanting to be involved in the sort of the whole the mafia underworld thing to becoming the godfather so in a way he is the godfather of the title and in some ways it's like marlon brando but hey that's that's all right anyway sean <laughs> okay yeah no that's fine it's, it's good to have some other input i also um, quite like horses <laughs> <laughs> okay no that was a, that is a classic scene yeah i know i <laughs> feel sad for the horse yeah i know are they all based on the book by mario puzo are they yeah. is it i, I believe so um <laughs> Because I, I know the first one is, but I wasn't sure if the whole yeah. trilogy had been just stretched or whether it, they're all from. I, I, I think books. that I think there was a bit of poetic license there as well from um, some of the books. Because I say back to the Clemenza role um, in the book, Clemenza is like he dies. They sort of kill him off, but they don't actually portray that in the movies. But they don't kill him off. He's supposed to have you know died from, but that that's not portrayed in the movies. Um, I think Coppola just said, "Oh, let's." because he wanted too much money. I forget who the actor was who played Clemenza. But, um, you know, they said, I think Coppola said, oh, well, let's let's kill him anyway. <laughs> Whatever happened to him, let's kill him <laughs> off and, and get someone who don't want too much money. Is it, let's kill him off off screen. Yeah, I think Joe's just going to find Clemenza for me. Clemenza, was he one of the was he one of the the he's, he's, heads of the five families? No, no, he was, he, he, he had like Richard his own family. Richard Castellano. Richard Castellano, there you go. Um, he's like a real tubby. He's the tubby one that that blasts the guy in the lift with oh, the shotguns. Oh, <laughs> oh, he's the one who where where they where they find out the guy who actually betrays the Godfather, and then they drive him off somewhere and they shoot him in the back of the head, and he goes like, "Leave the gun, take the, <laughs> take the cannoli, <laughs> take the cannoli." Yeah, and and he's also the one that um, you, you know when Michael when he's he's teaching Michael how to do the gun when he wants to shoot, oh yeah, yeah, shoot with the, the police officer, thing, and yeah. he's saying yeah, he said right, well, you know where can you put that? So Clemenza was I guess like the the uh, enforcer the they enforce the heavy enforce the heavy one yeah because i think in the i mean actually there's a there's a gangster film 1973 film called lepke starring tony curtis and he was like apparently the families used to have he he was head of this thing called murder incorporated and he would hire all the all the hitmen and thing but oh yeah oh i could just talk about this forever <laughs> but, um <laughs> there's the, the bit at the end when they when they're having the the christening of uh Michael's oh nephew. no 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 no! That is a brilliant, masterful sequence. I mean, yeah. Um, it's, it's like, do you renounce? It's like, do you do, renounce evil? Do you yeah. renounce devil and all his works? Yes, I renounce the devil and all yeah. his works. And then, <laughs> but there's the guy that um, all those assassinations are just great. There's the guy with the little tash and the cigar that just waits until the guy gets in the the swivel doors, the, oh, the yeah, roundabout yeah, yeah. doors, and then he just locks it, shoots him. Um, that's that's it. Just that really really works. I think go into the godfather 3 they tried to do a similar thing but they used the opera i don't know if you've seen godfather 3 have i haven't you? seen th i've okay. seen one and two I haven't seen well there's three. a piece where um they want to try and assassinate michael and that's it the opera his son one of his sons is one at this opera and they're all at the opera and so as 
this assassin goes and kills some of the heavies the 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 opera's playing but it just didn't work it just wasn't the same <laughs> so but uh all right cool so the godfather trilogy oh i think sure I, I could see that you could go on for ages i could go about forever this. for these these uh, guys unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately we've run out of time okay i think i was thinking we should do like an online extra where we just sort of like you know leave where anything that we don't have time for we just leave you to go on for, for a while <laughs> but now <laughs> every week joe comes up with a quiz of a movie legend that incorporates a couple of clues so joe would you like to give us a first clue this week nice and simple one to start off with no one's gonna get it from this i wouldn't think but bear it in mind uh, when we come to the later clues when this screen legend was born he was mistakenly listed as a female on his birth certificate. If you know who that was, you'll know who it is. If uh, you don't, it probably won't help. I don't. I think I do. Sharon? No, I don't think I do. No, not from that. I think I do. I think it might be the, the most famous actor with a woman's name. In but, which case, I might know who it is. Yeah, now you've said that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right, cool. Thank you very much. And now, okay. Now... Last week, we had something that we promised on our Facebook page. That's the They Don't Make Up Like They Used To on Facebook, which we never actually managed to get round to just because of time constraints again. But this week, we are going to continue, or start really, with our battle of the movie legends. So yes, this week, we're going to talk about Cary Grant versus James Stewart. And we're going to find out where you lay your hat, which corner you come down in, who do you think was the better one, who do you think was underrated, who do you think was the best ever. So, Joe, would you like to kick us off? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. For every, uh, for every rear window, there's a North by Northwest. Oh, dear. Okay, uh... Jimmy Stewart, okay, you can do a, a Jimmy Stewart impression, so the guy must be famous. The guy's been in loads of films, they're great. Hitchcock, every director's worked with him, he must be good. The same can be said for Cary Grant in both cases. Everyone can do a Cary Grant. Um, yeah, even Tony Curtis. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's very hard. They both, for me, I, I love them both. Um, I will watch a film just because they are in it, any film just because they are in it. I think I've probably seen most of the films that they've both made. I don't think there's many left that I haven't managed to get hold of. Um, but, okay, I'll kick things off. Uh, let's do this in proper debate style. Uh, Cary Grant is the greatest of the two because um, he was he able to... love him. Because I love him, yeah. Uh, because he had a very long career. He remained uh, suave and, and cool throughout. And even when he was... A, too old to be doing action roles. He was still doing action roles with North by Northwest and Sherrard. A bit like Roger Moore. A bit like Roger Moore, only better. <laughs> Can anyone counter that? Anybody have anything else to say? Okay, well, I'm going to have to come down on the, the side of James Stewart purely because I think... I, I know James Stewart plays James Stewart. I know Cary Grant. But they, they're basically the same characters in a lot of the, the movies, I think. But obviously... With Jimmy being in so many westerns as he was in, I have to I have to come down on his side. I mean, some some really really good westerns. One of his best was the one called Shenandoah. Have you seen that, Joe? No. Western. You haven't I seen think the Shenandoah. only the only James Stewart western I remember because I saw it really early on was Bend in the River. Bend in the River. Mm -hmm. <coughs> but, I really uh, like that one. Obviously yeah. Liberty Valance as well. But, uh, Man who shot Liberty Valance. Yeah. yeah. Winchester seventy three. Oh, we were talking about that the other day, weren't we? Yeah, yeah we were. Yeah. There's so um I, for for me personally, it's just a personal thing, I guess. I mean, they're both great great guys but because I always associate Jimmy uh, with westerns he, I'm going to have to come down on the side of Jimmy I'm afraid Sharon I'm in the similar position as Joe is at the beginning I, for every film you think yeah I love that film I love Harvey as I mentioned last week but then you get a Cary Grant from me and think oh, actually he was so good in that like North by Northwest <laughs> <laughs> and you think yeah you, how do you how do you well, compare and contrast, isn't it? You think they're really good for this reason and the bits I don't like for this reason. I probably, I would say, for likability factor, I would probably say James Stewart was my favourite because you feel that he was just more likeable of the two. Whereas for like the suave ladies' man, then Cary Grant every time, isn't it? James Stewart, as much as you love him, he wasn't really a romantic lead. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Cary Grant was, he was... You couldn't accuse him of being suave. He could be no. debonair, he could be quite crafty. Well, 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 I'd have to uh, 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 disagree with you on that one. There. <laughs> I, 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 I think I'm pr 
pretty <laughs> suave myself. Because <laughs> it was slightly awkward, isn't he? In these romantic, and it's like in uh, it's a wonderful life. I, I don't love it, but I always feel it's slightly awkward when the bishop's sort of wife's better. Scenes. Starring yeah, Cary Grant. Cary Grant. He's more. <laughs> yeah. So I suppose if you like that likability, that believability, then I like James Stewart because you want you root for him. But then Cary Grant, you think, yeah, for that sort of suave twinkle in the eye. He twinkles, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Because this, I look at this and I look. Oh, because what with Joe? I mean, no, Sean. What you were saying about like you know James Stewart always playing James Stewart. I don't actually think that. I think James Stewart was more versatile than Cary Grant, or rather, he was allowed to be more versatile than Cary Grant was allowed to be. Because mm-hmm. for me, this I think is like it's like for me, it's a Tom Hanks versus Tom Cruise thing. It's right. like the character actor versus the movie star, mm-hmm. and it's like I think with Cary Grant, um, I remember there's a quote of somebody walking up to Cary Grant saying, oh my God, I really, really wish I was Cary Grant. And he said, you know what? So do I. <laughs> because he said that the whole Cary Grant thing was a lie. It was like this big thing that was made up by the studio to sell movies about how suave he was and debonair and all that. But that's all they ever wanted to see on screen. And that's all they ever let him play. Which is why, as Joe was saying, even when he grew older, they wouldn't let him play other things. They would be like, Look, you've got to you got to come be the actor guy. I mean, every now and then he had to, he got to do a little bit something a bit different, like him bringing a baby, where he got to be a bit more screwball mm-hmm. and all that. And he wasn't just the debonair, yeah. suave. He Did he, he got to play... wear glasses. I mean, come on. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's one sign of being an old person, isn't it? You've got to yeah. be old if you wear glasses. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, does he was he ever a bad guy in a film? He played a few characters that you weren't entirely sure about. Um, in a few of the the um films he did, um, sort of. Wasn't he a bad guy in Charade? Uh, no. All right. No, far from it. He was brilliant. Oh, well. uh, you oh, don't oh, know oh. that until fairly close to the end. But yeah, he, everyone. I mean, if you know what's going on in Charade until the end, you you do are doing better than I was doing because it, <laughs> it's um it's deliberately designed to throw you off the scent. I mean, is he working with those bungling crooks or is he is he is he helping? What about to catch a thief? To catch a thief, he plays uh, John Roby, the, the the criminal, the thief. Mm-hmm. So he's bad, isn't he? No, yeah. of course he's not. He's <laughs> wonderful. Of course he's, he's not. He's Cary he, Grant. Take him home. <laughs> Joe, has he ever been in a Western? Cary Grant in a Western. Uh, I can't think of one. I can't think of one. I, I think I think, think the closest one. he probably comes was Only Angels Have Wings. He wore a hat. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I, I can't think of a Western. Well, I can't is, think of a Western. But the thing is, mainly, purely because of the versatility, I would go with James Stewart because he could do the... The, the sort of like homemade apple pie kind of thing. But then look at what Hitchcock did with him in Vertigo, where he plays quite a creepy character, to be honest with you. And then in Rear Window, where, quite frankly, he's just, uh, insert bad word here. Um, and then you have like, It's a Wonderful Life. And, yeah, he uh, could go dark. Yeah, he, he, he could, could go, go dark. dark. I mean, even Harvey we were talking about last week, there's some bits of it that are a bit dark and you're thinking this person is actually mentally disturbed. And and I just and as much as I love Cary Grant, I don't think he was ever given a chance to show range, which is why I would have to go with James Stewart. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Um, obviously, you're all completely wrong, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I can I can see your point. Um, yeah, I just walk when I when I enter a room. I say to everyone, "Hello, friends and enemies," and that's a Cary Grant line from uh, from what Sharon? Do you know? No. Sean? No. This is a Philadelphia story where you have well, both I've... legends together. So no, we're yeah. all happy. Everyone's yeah. 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 happy. And all good old Catherine Hepburn. <coughs> I think that's about, I prefer that one to High Society, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do. Definitely. Oh, they're the same it's the film, same only story. One, one exactly of them is a the musical. Same, one's a musical version of it. Yeah. Even though it's got Frank in High Society, I still think Philadelphia story is just a better version of it. Good stuff. Now, Joe, if you please give us a second clue. Right. Okay, don't. Um, this particular screen legend, how is this for brilliant planning? This particular screen legend turned down Cary Grant's role in the Philadelphia story because he thought the film was too wordy. Hmm. I, I'm going to stick with what I think it is. I think I have an idea. <laughs> Can I just congratulate myself on tying that clue in perfectly? I know, no, I, I have to say, well, well done. Oh, thank well, you. Thanks, thanks, thanks. <laughs> Well then, actually, then. actually, wait, wait. Let me see. I got. I think I got it here. Masterly. Oh. No, wrong one. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> That's what I meant. Hey, hey. 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 <laughs> Well done, Joe. Thank you. So.
Have a think. See who you think it was. All right, cool. Cool, I heard. Yeah. Right, okay. As is my tradition on a Friday, I walk around the hospital asking patients two questions. One, tell us the story of the first time you ever went to the cinema. And two, what is your favorite film of all time? While in Alverston Ward, which is a good ward, I mean, they keep, they've been giving us some good interviews in Alverston Ward over the last couple of weeks. I think that we should actually patronize them. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, we, they can sponsor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, get, get, they get a mention every week, that, gonna, as far as it goes. But <laughs> Just going to keep going back there and finding people with great stories. Uh, anyway, while I was in Alverston Ward today, I bumped into Hal, oh, Herbert Alfred Simpkins, and this is what he said in response to those questions. Ooh. I expect the first film I ever saw would have been, um, I don't know, Laurel and Hardy. And that was some time ago. <laughs> Blimey. No, because I was born in 25. Somewhere about the 40s, I suppose. Yeah. What do you remember about it? Not a lot. <laughs> no. Can't remember anything, no. Well, I suppose I enjoyed it if I sat and watched it. <laughs> How about your favourite film that you've ever seen? Uh, I suppose when you come to think about it, it would have been with the Laurel and Hardy. I can't remember the name. <laughs> Tosin's getting a bit carried away there. <laughs> You're really getting into that, aren't you? Come on, hey. man. No, the thing is, when you hear that, man, how can you not be happy? Well, <laughs> a, li- a little repetitive. Yeah, no, it is a little repetitive. I mean, I think if, if it played for much longer, it would drive you around the bed. <coughs> yeah. But it, it, it does it does have this sort of promise of good times attached it to it. It's a promise of a second verse. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so, thoughts on Laurel and Hardy? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like Laurel and Hardy stuff. As, as I say, this was... Um, Christmas time, this was like, they, they used to have one of these on every time, Christmas. There was always a Laurel and Hardy film every day in the morning. Um, a couple I particular. there's one, and I, I mean, some of the names, I, I wouldn't know the name of the films because there's so many. There are loads. But there's one, I think it's called A Day Out or something, and, and I just, and it must really stick in my mind, and it's where they're going on a, like a picnic, and they get in a car, and they get in the car, and they never really get away, they're just going, oh, bye, yeah. bye, <laughs> oh, bye. Uh, um, that might be it might be called a day out and then there's one where they're trying to get a piano up the stairs I remember the piano one yeah yeah that's quite a classic but it's, it's, it's their wives as well you know their wives are like mm. they're long suffering yeah they're long suffering <laughs> wives they sort of look at them and stuff um, but yeah really good fun really good fun to watch can we um, uh, can, can, I, can I give you some facts about you can that'd be wonderful yeah. right Laurel and Hardy they uh, can they um, were in 106 films Whoa. released between 1921 and 51. So 106 films in 30 years. That's pretty uh, awesome, really. Uh, they appeared in 34 silent shorts, 45 sound shorts, 27 full-length sound feature films, um, uh, at least 20 foreign language versions of their films. Uh, I mean, that's that's incredible. 106 films in, in 30 years. That's... Yeah, That's hard working. Couple of hard working guys. I mean, especially the fact that um, that they transitioned from the silent era to the sound era, yeah. because not many people did that. Like when sound was invented in cinemas, it killed some people's careers off. And there's, I think there, there's few people who you can see who were, who were fan or not fans, but um, who were stars before the silent era and continued being stars afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, Sharon, yeah, I just I was thinking I remember the one where they joined the French Foreign Legion. Because oh, yeah. I can just picture them, yeah, where they've been like those classics with the hats with the the, the mm-hmm. dust thing around. Oh the yeah, 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 yeah. And the long navy blue coats that are cut away and pinned back. And I think there's one. Is it something like the Lonesome Pines where they yep, sing yep, the yep. song? There's a one where they're up in the Appalachian Mountains or something. Yeah, I think of that. I do remember those ones, but as <laughs> not, I think I grew up sort of in the similar era to, to Sean in that where a lot of these films were on in the sun on in the mornings. Yeah, yeah. 
especially summer holidays Stay where they would the put us they would put a Laurel and Hardy on because it was only when I was sort of in school really that there was daytime television at all you only got television in the mornings mm, during yep. the summer holidays or school holidays and it was Why Don't You and a Laurel and Hardy film. <laughs> <laughs> I remember cool. Why Don't You. Wow. I, I actually, my first uh, uh, exposure to Laurel and Hardy was the animated cartoon. The yeah, same here. It was the first time I ever heard of them. Same I was year. surprised to find they were real people. Yeah, I know. I, don't, I remember seeing, like, first time I saw them, I was like, those look like those guys in the cartoon. Mm. Those look like Stan and Ollie. Yeah. <laughs> and it actually looks quite a lot like them. Wow. Oh, it is them, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, the uh, the other thing I was actually quite shocked about was to find out that Laurel was English. Oh yeah, yeah, he yeah he's born in English. Yeah, and, uh, yeah I think I've been to where he was born. Is it Lancashire or somewhere yeah, like Lan- that? Yeah. Oh, because you would. I was just shocked. Is it like near Dartington, somewhere like that? But for sure. I know it's where they do the crystal comes from. He was like lived round the corner from the crystal factory. Oh wow, cool. <laughs> Well, the thing is, yeah, because I was just shocked to find out that, like, I was like, oh, my word. He's one what that doesn't talk a lot, though, isn't he? So you don't really get to hear him speak that often. Well, I just remember him saying, I'm sorry, Ollie, a lot. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ollie. He had a particularly, sorry, particularly stiff upper lip, though, so that may have been the giveaway. That was- <laughs> yeah. There is actually an interesting thing. I listened to a radio play, and it's actually um, when, I, I don't know what radio play's called, but it was absolutely brilliant. I just happened to catch it. This is going back a while now. It's when... Um, Ollie's dying Oliver Hardy's dying in hospital and um, Stan, Stan goes to see him and you know it's genuine of what happened like a conversation oh, yeah, yeah. between the two of them and he's yeah. saying, and he's you know it's it's, it's quite emotional really mm. you know um, uh, very expressive yeah I, I really surprisingly definitely. expressive in their, even in their faces I was, oh yeah, yeah. Mm. well I think it, I guess because they started off in the silent era you had to be because mm. it was a different kind of acting that you needed you needed to be expressive because you couldn't rely on sound you couldn't rely on people hearing mm-hmm. what it was you were saying that's it and it's, it's quite funny that i found out that um, <coughs> laurel laurel used to be an understudy to charlie chaplin like before he left the, before he left the uk or mm-hmm. um while they were still doing stage stuff and hardy was actually an assistant to a chaplin imitator so it kind of tells you what the what that whole yeah. vaudeville that physical thing, thing chaplin, was a, chaplin was um British as well, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. Chaplin was British. Chaplin was British. All the things you get, you find, it's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> you think, oh, what's but, an English guy doing there? Like Cary Grant, he's from Bristol. <laughs> doesn't talk like a Bristolian, though, does I he? know, I know, they hit that well. It's like Archie Leach. His real name's Archie Leach. Archie Leach, yes. He should yeah. definitely be the best of, of, of the two. I think of the three, Archie Leach wins, doesn't he? He's better than Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Archie Leach. Oh, I, yeah, look at what, I mean, look at the great performance he put on, making everybody think it was Cary Grant all those years. Oh, I know, I know. I it's, mean, like, it's like Dan Day-Lewis uh, winning the Oscar. How many times? It Five times? Three times. No, twice as, uh, three times oh. as himself and twice as Tom Hanks. Can you believe that? It's <laughs> <laughs> done brilliantly. And I walked right into that, didn't I? Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, and, oh, the, okay, what? One more thing about Lauren and Hardy is that I think that when you read about what they did, they put a lot of hard work into making it look easy, which yeah. is crazy. Like the amount of the, they were just so well rehearsed and all that, and that you read about what they did because the, how they how they made you feel like you know um, Laurel was actually really really skinny when he was just average, and it was just the fact that Hardy was really really big, and the the and the the way even the haircuts that they went to actually get things across to you. Although I saw a picture of um, Laurel without his hat on. And he looks remarkably like Jedward. <laughs> it's actually, it's actually freaky. Look, look, search it, search it online. Find a picture of Laurel, of Stan Laurel without his hat on. He looks like Jedward. I don't oh. know what Jedward is. <laughs> and you are a better person for it. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. What's a Jedward? Okay. Uh, you, actually, you, you really, really don't want to know. Okay. You really right. don't want to know. Okay. Once seen, never forgotten. So yeah, don't go there. Okay, yeah. cool. So Laurel and Hardy, any final things on them? Um, not really, except to say that they were really good. As I remember, actually, I haven't seen Laurel and Hardy film for for quite a while now. I haven't seen one. Yep, I haven't seen one for ages. Uh, I need to go. Need to go dig those out. Yeah, there's plenty of them. I'm just looking down the list of films. I could have tried to get the names of their films into the conversation. As many as I could, that would have been really funny. <laughs> <laughs> all their, all their uh, film titles are like little phrases that you can put into a conversation. I should have done that. Like what? Uh, that, that's my wife. <laughs> Wrong again. <laughs> You're Dan Tootin. And the finishing touch. I could have just done that and not told anyone. Okay. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> okay. 
yeah, from the, uh, the, the fun uh, laughter and hijinks of uh, Laurel and Hardy to uh, Adolf Hitler. Uh, Adolf Hitler actually held a uh, movie legend in uh, very, very high esteem, uh, preferring them to all other actors. And during the war, actually offered a reward to anyone that could capture and return this screen legend to him, as the screen legend had actually enlisted uh, in the Army Air Corps and was flying combat missions over Germany. And Hitler actually said, you can bring him back to me alive and unscathed, I'll give you a reward because he loved him so much. <laughs> wow. Yes. What a nice oh, little man. fact that would be. It's crazy the things you find when you start digging, man. That's, that, right. that's a brilliant fact. I thought yeah. so, I know. That's an amazing fact. Yeah. The only one I can think of now is not who I originally thought of. I'm completely having to rethink now because mm-hmm. I know who was, who know, was in. I know like that. Yeah, oh, he's Trixie. Okay. <laughs> he is Trixie. Trixie, 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 Trixie Hobbit. <laughs> right. Okay, cool. <laughs> Right, we shall carry on then with a second choice this week, another film that we've chosen, and it appears to be the Marlon Brando Hour. So, Sharon, would you like to tell us what film you've chosen and why? Yes, I've chosen his 1954 film, On the Waterfront. Ooh, why On the Waterfront? Well, I think it's one, again, early Brando. I always tend to, when I think of Marlon Brando, I think of his early films as the ones that really have that impact, because he did sort of roar onto the the sort of film scene and he was quite different to the the sort of actor we'd seen before with that sort of physicality and that sort of working more working class you'd think of oh him. yeah yeah um and i think just on the waterfront it was just a powerhouse of a performance uh for someone who you think of as being you know sort of one of the original method actors he just seems to inhabit this character particularly well there's depth there's depth to his performance that you know even today they stand up to scrutiny Okay, cool. And so now from On the Waterfront, here's something from the original soundtrack by Leonard Bernstein. Yep, and that was from On the Waterfront by Leonard Bernstein. So, um, guys, any other thoughts on On the Waterfront? That was the only um, score that Bernstein, Leonard Bernstein actually did that wasn't a musical. Really? Mm. Mm. Everything else he did was were musicals, and that's the only one that wasn't. I could have been a contender. That's I the could <laughs> have been a somebody you're a bum. instead of a nobody. <laughs> so uh, actually, could, okay, could someone give us? Okay, sure. Can you give us like a quick um, overview of the storyline of right. Waterfront? But there's a two levels. There's the story of uh, corruption on the unions on who run the waterfronts, who run the importation of shipping and unloading of the ships that come in. Mm-hmm. Before it was uh, they they, but basically they're like a, they're like a mob. They're they're a gang boss who on ha, um, they use this the union thing as a, as a front to run running their illegal operations mm-hmm. but they still do manage the waterfront yeah and if they unless you're in with this particular union and you pay them kickbacks you don't work so in the days before organized gang work gangs you'd turn up if then a ship came in you would get your hook and you'd turn up at the docks and then if you were favored you'd be like you're working today but if you weren't favored by this gang you wouldn't work and if you didn't work you you had no money there was no Fall back. And if you got injured, that's it, your family were left high and dry. Mm-hmm. And so there's that story of the corruption. And then it's also the story of like lost opportunities, which is sort of personified by this character played by Marlon Brando, Terry Malloy. He's someone who's like hitting 30 and his life has been a series of missed opportunities. The whole he could have been a contender in his youth. He was a promising boxer. Oh, yeah. But because his brother was in with the gang, they decided to back another boxer. So instead of giving him a chance at a title fight, which could have made his career as a boxer, they told him, tonight's not your time, so you have to take a fall. And he said, I was holding this guy up. I could have been a contender. I could have beat this guy. Then I could have had the shot at the title. Mm. And I could have then gone on to be like the Rocky Marciano of my day and become somebody. Instead, he's drifting his life, doing errands. But the film starts, you don't see, it starts with a murder that we don't actually see. Yeah. Because there's a, 
uh, the police are investigating corruption down on the waterfront and one of the guys has, has agreed to cooperate and to give evidence. And Terry is sent along to lure him out on the pretext that he's got one of his pigeons. So he calls him out and then the, the gang come along and they kill him. Mm. And that's what you see beforehand. And then all the characters come in because of this one event and this is the catalyst to which everything all sort of disintegrates, this cosy setup that all falls apart. And he meets Ava Marie Saint, who a nice link in with a, a film we mentioned earlier, North by Northwest. Mm -hmm. She was in that with Cary Grant. Mm -hmm. She plays the sister of the murdered man. And she's friends with the priest, played by Carl Molden. And her and the priest decide they're going to have to see if they can do something to get people to cooperate with this investigation, to do something about the corruption on the docks that people like Joey, her brother, got killed yeah. because they were trying to change the system. Yeah. But yeah, it's a powerhouse prompt by, by Marlon Brando. He's, when he's with Abraham Satan, he's like really sensitive and you can see him as being, you know, the, his potential of being an, a good guy. And then when he's with his brother, played by... Rod Steiger. Rod Steiger. Yeah. You can see how he's he's just pushed around and bullied and how he falls into being like a just an errand boy for these these this mob. Mm. And it's only when he like mans up and he stands up to them and his brother and decides to do the right thing that he sort of you know, comes into his own as a man. <laughs> Very well summarized. <laughs> you make me think I need to go watch this now. Because it is, it's one of those films where I knew the quote of, I could have been a contender before I ever saw the film. So I always thought it was a boxing film. I always thought, I always thought it was a film about boxing. And, and But the other thing that it says, has anybody ever seen the TV show The Wire? No, I haven't. Yeah, because The Wire season two, it sounds almost exactly like the same as the, right. as the plot of, on the waterfront. Like oh, the I did whole... answer. I just shook my head. I forgot this is radio. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. The the listeners can't see you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I haven't seen you. No. <laughs> yeah, the the wire season two sounds like it's a similar thing of yeah. on the waterfront and the whole unions and all that kind of stuff and all that. It's so, that's such. It's cool. There's a big fight at the end where he he and the gang boss go slug it out one to one and yeah. He, I was, uh, he's sort of brutally beaten and but he has to stagger across the line. He picks up his hook and he goes to work despite him saying that you're not working today. He goes, oh, I'm working today, and he grabs his hook and he. He starts walking, staggering as he does. In a few of his films, he's been beaten up really badly. Yeah. And he does that really good, I'm on my feet, but only just stagger. <laughs> well, the thing is, yeah. is uh, I've never seen this film all the way through, but I always assume that Marlon Brando dies at the end. He doesn't. Oh, oh. spoiler. He just gets very badly beaten <laughs> He dies up. at the beginning. Who <laughs> <laughs> okay. we don't see. You got, so, um, Sean, Joe, thoughts on, on the waterfront? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's okay. It's alright. Yeah, okay. It's, <laughs> movie. it's not one of my favourite films of all time, but it's obviously it works. Got one of the most famous scenes I, in history. I quite like this. Is Lee J. Cobb? Isn't yeah, it? Lee J. He's, Cobb. He's, he's, that's the, the real actor. He's, that's the, the he's like the union. Yeah. He's the union boss. He, he's yeah. the boss. He's the boss. I actually saw on the waterfront on in London at the West mm. End. Oh wow! At Her Majesty's Theatre, and it was Steve Burkoff played the gang boss. Ooh. he was excellent yeah, as well yeah. he was Ooh, really yeah, yeah. captured that sort of menace and bluster very well no I, I I watched a film the other day just just in passing uh, with my wife called uh, Sayonara which is another Marlon Brando absolutely beautiful film really really good he plays a a, a, a pilot who gets uh, stationed in Japan just after the, uh, during the Korean War actually I think it is and she said the whole time I can't understand what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> And I said, what are you talking about? It's Marlon Brando. And she said, I have no idea what the guy's saying. And we do, you know, we do forget that the guy couldn't talk properly. <laughs> yeah, I think he got away with that because he was like one of these first sort of method type actors, wasn't he? And yeah. he got away with a lot that earlier they would have said, you know, speak correctly, please. Yeah, 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 so yeah. Later they would have said, you know what, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is not good. Yeah, yeah. everybody got away with it. Yeah, everybody around him was is actually more mannered and you can see they're more trained into acting yeah. the proper way. Yeah, enunciating. <laughs> yes. But he had quite, quite a diverse career, moving aside from Honor Watford, that's one of his, that's his first Oscar win. Mm -hmm. And it was like, they, they sort of bookended each other, didn't they? They sort of Oscar the Oscar for On the Waterfront and then The, the Godfather, one for the Godfather later. Yeah. And then his career sort of, apart from appearing like Superman. But in those middle years, he did quite a lot of diverse, diverse films. And you tend to think of him as being, you know, the young, sort of thuggy type guy and this old Big, wreck of a man. Big, guy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you forget that in his career, he really did some cracking films. In oh, there. yeah, yeah. He, Some of them are largely forgotten. I mean, there's an awful wincy one where 
he plays uh is it the to harvest the tea house of the harvest moon or something where he is made up to be Chinese and it's grotesque. Let's move on. <laughs> but it's absolutely grotesque, isn't it? But he did this. He did a whole. Did comedy. Yeah, yeah. He did musicals. He, like, he, guys he and did dolls. guys and dolls. Yeah. Lock right. me a lady tonight. <laughs> he did a lot of diverse things. You know, quite a versatile actor in many ways. He had a very bountiful career, you could say. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we got it. We got the reference. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. I tried. I got it. I got it. But anyway, I tried. <laughs> is it time for the next quiz? It uh, is t- time for the final question. Right. Okay. Uh, is a quote from the man himself. I think we can be fairly safe in that uh, we know that this legend is indeed a man, despite the mix-up on the birth certificate at the beginning. Uh, the public interest in my playing this particular role, and I probably would say this is his most famous role. The public interest in my playing this particular role puzzled me. I was the only one, apparently, who didn't take it for granted that I would play him. I found myself trapped by a series of circumstances over which I had no control. That's uh, him commenting on uh, his most famous um, Part, I think. Yeah, I, 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 I think I might have a guess. Okay, I think I'm gonna. We have one more film to talk okay. about after this, so I'm just gonna go ahead and guess. I'm gonna say John Wayne. I'm gonna say Clark Gable. I'm gonna say I have no idea now. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking James Stewart because he was a yeah, colonel I, in the I, Air Force. I, I did think, yeah, he was. Well, 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 but so well, was. Well, very good. Nice of you to, to, to say that. To, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so was Clark Gable actually. He, he, he was in the Air Force, Force as well. Yeah. John Wayne, was, John Wayne was also there. I'm, gonna, I'm sticking with John Wayne. Which one would Hitler have liked the most? John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you want the answer? Yes, yes please. Sean's got it. It's Clark Gable. Clark oh, Gable. wow. And obviously the role he's talking about is Mr. Red, Red Butler. Butler. Yeah. Yeah. But, 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 quite frankly, my dear. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll t- tell you what it was. I was thinking, that the, my reasoning was, I thought it was James Stewart. First of all, I thought it was James Stewart. And then I thought, and then the role was when you said Hitler wanted him, and I was trying to think who would have been about around that era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that, that who would have been big in the thirties. Yeah, like, yeah, and I know Clark Gable was a pilot. Um, so, because I mean, I think in one of my old film annuals, I've got a picture of him as a as, as a pilot. And then mm-hmm. when you said about the most famous role, I thought it's got to be most it's famous role. That yeah. was that was. So I was thinking prob- yeah, no, no, possibly Clark Gable, and then. Yeah, you, you, to be honest with you, when, when you said most famous role, I was thinking John Wayne doesn't really have a most famous. He role. doesn't, no. <laughs> so, but but I was like, oh, forget so, it. So, so that was my because reason. John Wayne's middle name was Marion. Mm. Marion, so that right. was where the original mix up. Yeah, mm. I, I like that. I, yeah, so yeah. that that's what I was thinking. That that's why they might have thought he was a girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks, man. That was a good one. Thank you. That Thank was you. a good one. I actually like three. I think that's the first time we've had three different answers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and um, we started this last week. Um, we started the new feature called I Love Movies, or I Love Movies. And Sharon, you have picked a film today. This is when we have when Hollywood brushes up against the island, and we actually have a film that was made on the island, features the island, or something like that. So what yeah. we got this week? Yeah, this is one from the early 70s, from 1973, when David Essex was at his height of his fame, when every teenage girl in the country would scream at the very sound of his name. He was in a series of films, and this was the first one where he was really showcased his acting ability. Mm. And it was filmed on the Isle of Wight, largely. And I saw some clips of it yesterday, just to refresh my memory. And yeah, you can I, there's some recognisable places there. You see them walking down the street, and it's like, ah, that's still there, that <laughs> building. Still, yeah. But it's from 1973, and it's called That'll Be The Day. That'll Be The Day. Cool. Yeah, that'll be the day. Yep. Sean, you guys have stuff to tell us about the film, don't you? Okay, this film, I, I really enjoyed this film. Like you say, Def, um, David Essex was a hero to everybody. Um, and at the beginning, it's like, uh, it's the one bit I loved in it, which really stretched me on, is he's, he's gone to school and he decides to bunk off and he's on a bridge and he's just got all his school books and he's with his mate and he goes, well, I won't say what he says, he goes, beep, and he just throws all his books in the water and, and takes off. Um, and... Uh, the, and he joins a fun fair, doesn't he? he becomes uh, like first, a... Yeah, first of all, he's like he, he joins like a, a holiday camp, okay? And it is actually the one in, in Apley, which I don't think is there anymore. Um, so it's it, was it, it might have been Warners back then. Yeah, and, and you can just along re- from Putt yeah, Port. yeah. There's actually a, a, a good thing on YouTube of a guy that tries to get in. Obviously, it's 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 been knocked down, but there's there's a, a clip on YouTube you should see of where the guy goes in to try and actually find the chalets where Ringo Starr 
and David Essex <laughs> went. And then, as as the holidays closed, they said, "Oh, why don't you come to the fun fair?" And uh, he, he he goes to the fun. It's just just really good. And there's a bit he meets his mate when he goes. He meets his mate, and uh, they go. He, his mate's gone to university, and he goes to a dance, and he's like all common, and he goes, "I'm the guy who everyone wants to see get get his." liver crushed in the whip you know on the machines that and these girls sort of look at him and like Ooh. anyway um some other sites were oh that's right he goes he goes on the beach and he becomes a deck chair person he's like selling deck chairs and that's on Sa uh, shanklin beach and uh, he makes like a little hut of of uh, deck chairs to sleep in the background in. yeah it? and the pier and there's a there's a scene <coughs> on the pier as well good which old doesn't shanklin exist pier. yeah shanklin yeah. pier and you can see I remember that, shanklin pier. that really really well <laughs> um a couple of the school scenes were done at sandown high school um, so there's quite a lot in, and I think even Joe was telling me the Rex Cinema was it? Yeah, that, was it? What a yeah, Ventnor Cinema. Right. Yeah, that, that was there. I think that there was it in is. it. Yeah. I think it's now a, a, a piano bar or a coffee bar or something. Yeah, now. yeah, 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 been yeah, over yeah. That way for a while. Um, so it wasn't right, wasn't there? Some streets in Ride as well. Yeah, one yeah. of the scenes I saw them when I, in the clip I saw yesterday. Yeah, I recognised it as as Ride. I thought, oh, <laughs> that, that building's still there. <laughs> you different. How, all the shops are different, but they're the. the Structure of the road is mm. yeah, it's the same. You can actually um, um, recognise quite a lot of places. And as I say, with Shanklin Pier, there's there's a scene on that which is really, really good. So if you wanted to see what, what Shanklin Pier was like, you can actually actually get an idea. Snapshot. Um, but the, the film itself is... Well, I, I, I just really, really love it. And it's basically... Um, he goes to another holiday camp. He wants to be a musician. And gradually he works his way up to become a musician. And then you have the sequel, Stardust, when he sort of made it, um, which probably came out a couple of years later yeah because said it was quite a it was quite a hit at the time wasn't it was it? yeah 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 so but, but we tend to forget how huge a star david essex was in the early 70s he was he was major yeah the biggest star, english star around Sil up, up there, wasn't he? was he in silver dream racer or was it? i think there was a motorcycle film with him in yes sounds sounds familiar more of the worlds yeah he was the artilleryman wasn't he yeah he was oh what from the record yeah the chances of anything coming from mars a million to one he said but he was the one that went underground wasn't he yeah he was going to build this world yeah with just a handful of yeah oh okay cool so thank you very much for uh for uh um isle of movies movie this week which is that will be the day and looking down the list I was looking because it has David Essex has Ringo Starr in it and I was looking down the list of the songs in the film and this film has an amazing soundtrack it's but one song soundtrack. one song jumped out of me that I just had to play so we'll leave you with Buddy Holly but until the next time get well get home and remember that they don't make him like they used to